Welcome back to Campbell Conversations with your host Colin Campbell and today is episode 169 of the podcast and it's a solo Q&A answering the questions sent in by listeners on Instagram and on my email list. The questions are wide and varied. There's 31 in total I've chosen to answer and they include my thoughts on success, life on other planets, my biggest weaknesses, deathbed regrets, cold water therapy, morning routines and much more. I hope you guys continue to enjoy the solo episodes. They're going to keep coming every 10 episodes and the feedback typically is really good and it gives me an opportunity to tell a little bit more around what I'm working on rather than just my guests because I never want to be that host that talks over their guest and tries to share their own anecdotes at all times and I think I managed to strike that balance nicely over the last couple of years. Today's podcast is sponsored and supported by Propane Fitness. Are you a PT, coach or fitness expert that's looking to move online? Then Johnny and Yusuf from Propane can help you. They support personal trainers and coaches to move online, leave the gym floor behind and build a dependable recurring online income. They've helped hundreds of PTs to match their existing income with an online program by learning to sell their expertise and knowledge rather than just their time. They teach coaches a full stack of semi-automated systems for marketing, sales and program delivery that they've used themselves with over a decade of experience in the fitness industry. You can get a free online business blueprint from John and Yusuf and a complete explanation of how it all works by clicking the link in the description which is www.propanefitness.com forward slash Cambro. You will have heard both Johnny and Yusuf on the podcast, Yusuf on two occasions, and you'll know that these guys are extremely talented in what they do and they've built sustainable businesses and now helping others to do the same. Before we dive into this episode with myself, I want to say a huge thank you for the continued support in the podcast. The last few weeks and the first few weeks of 2023 have been incredible and it cannot keep happening unless people like you keep sharing the podcast with other people just like you we genuinely do grow one recommendation at a time so if you are enjoying this one copy and paste the link to a friend or pick an episode from the recent bark archive and pass it on and let's pass the pod around and grow this audience the music's going to play i'm going to answer these 31 questions and i hope you enjoy it wherever you're choosing to listen today Back with another solo Q&A and we have 31 questions to get through and a wide, wide, wide variety. Question number one, and I knew one of these would come up. What have been the instant and delayed effects of cold water plunging for you? I shared on Instagram that I was using a cold water ice bath on my balcony at my flat which was uh, thankfully gifted to me over Instagram, but it was something that I've been doing cold water at David Lloyd in the spa facility that we've got there. Um, Sometimes after training, and I understand from Andrew Huberman's research and what he's sharing that actually doing cold water immediately after training, actually within four hours of hypertrophy training can stunt your hypertrophy response. So for your muscles to actually grow. So doing cold water away from your training is actually beneficial potentially most beneficial first thing in the morning. For me, the main thing has been the clarity afterwards. You cannot fail to wake up after jumping in freezing cold water, particularly when I first got it, the temperatures were literally minus and I was breaking ice to get into the top of it. And the the other thing that I think is like harder to measure 
alongside the clarity and maybe some of the hormones that are popping off is the fact that you're doing something that's hard and challenging as one of the first things you do in the day. It's really daunting. It's really scary. I would say the first 15 to, I would say 10 to 15 seconds is is pure hell. Like you cannot catch your breath. It's so cold. You're having to like inhale very strongly through your nose and just try and control yourself and everything within your body and your head is screaming for you to get out. What are you doing? This is through choice. You're an idiot. Get out now. So that has tremendous benefits. Uh, the delayed ones, I imagine from a hormone perspective, I'm benefiting from the dopamine of doing the hard thing and starting my day with something challenging. I imagine there's lots of hormones are popping off in the periods thereafter. I need to find a way that's going to work because I cannot keep uh, 280 kilos of water on my balcony, albeit it's fine it was fine to do it for for the first little period i don't think it's a sustainable solution so i need to find where i can build into my routine a little bit more sustainably and where i can keep it question number two you and sarah talked about intermittent fasting from your phones can you say more on this please this was in episode 168 with dr sarah vora the mind medic and sarah uh, as a mental health professional talks a lot about the impact of screen time i'm very much of the opinion not all screen time is created equal however i will say that limiting it in general is probably a pretty good strategy for your well-being and having clearer boundaries like intermittent fasting for your diet you might have a, a 16 8 protocol which would mean maybe you eat between midday and 8 p.m so you eat for eight hours and you fast for 16 you can do similar with your phone albeit maybe not as not as a as long as those periods but i would try and be unplugged for periods of your day so for example in an ideal world i will be data free so i won't be disturbed by the real world on uh, online and until 8 a.m and i will put my phone away at 9 p.m so in an ideal world i am not on my phone between 9 p.m at night and 8 a.m in the morning yes i might be using the phone through my airpods to listen to something but i won't be engaging with whatsapp instagram emails anything that can uh, massively affect me and i'm not really looking at the, the device through that because you can use siri to uh, to direct uh, your phone to play particular podcasts or particular things um yeah i think intermittent fasting from your phone is a is a good approach to take and by having hard and fast rules you can you can really improve those now don't get me wrong those do slip for me and they, they slip for me fairly regularly actually but even if they slip, they'll maybe slip by like 15 minutes or half an hour. So I'm still getting some period of time where I'm just not on my phone at all. Equally, one of the big things I find helpful for my corporate job is not using my personal phone. So my phone that I do uh, speak to my friends, speak to my family, or do my Instagram content or social media stuff on. My personal phone sits outside of the room during 9 to 12. So I have a, a period of uh, work block, which is extremely focused and undisturbed from other distractions so if you see me posting on instagram between 9 and 12 in the day uh, on my on my cambro page then i've really dropped the ball and uh, that should not be happening uh, question number three you've journaled for three years now with the six minute diary how did you manage to stick to it what have you learned about yourself in terms of sticking to it the six minute diary was the first journal that i was able to stick to i first started journaling at the start of 2020 just after i had ended a relationship and i wanted to get clarity and improve my self-talk and how i felt about the situation i had almost created and how i'd maybe felt that I'd, 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 I'd hurt somebody through ending something but ultimately, I wanted to make sure that I'd reiterated to myself that that was the right decision, which it absolutely was. But you don't always see that in the moment in the in the height of your emotions. So I started journaling just with like blank paper and like I used a few prompts. I would Google 
uh, and, and try and find ways that I could like answer questions but it was so difficult and there was so much inertia to start that process because what you were writing sometimes wasn't particularly pleasant at that point and some of the prompts like it, it varied the ones I would use so there was no consistency to it and I love consistency and routine and habits and that's what I respond really well to so in terms of sticking to it once I got the six minute diary where it has three set prompts in the morning a set a set question of what your day should look like and then an affirmation really easy not not easy but really clear to stick to and then in the evening three things that went well that day how you're going to improve and then your good deed for the day again three sections that I could just complete or know I should be able to complete once I've sat and thought about it for a little bit of time so sticking to it was a lot easier because I had clear prompts in front of me although I will caveat that that a number of people who have been on the podcast who are maybe more free thinking in their in their journaling and a bit more free-flowing have benefited from starting with something like the six-minute diary and then graduating to something more more free so Paul Moore spoke about this Ed Cunningham uh, I need to read back in the episode 70 odd spoke about this as well and even uh, more recently when we did overrated underrated with myself and David Hatt and uh, Chris Burns they were saying that they find journaling can be too restrictive sometimes for them uh, and what have I learned about myself as the second part of that question I it improved my self-talk I I can speak to myself both too negatively and too positively sometimes so it allowed me to check in on how I was addressing my activities and how I was viewing those on a daily basis which is very helpful and it has a little kind of weekly check-in as well it improved my ability to write and put the thoughts in my head into words onto paper and then that also allows me to speak those words as well so it had an overlap into how I podcast how I speak how I communicate and also how I talk how I talk to friends family and even even girls that I've dated as well I've been much more able to communicate what's going on inside my head through the fact that I write it down on a on a on a, on a daily basis the clarity you get from regularly checking in with yourself allows you also to pick out themes in how you feel versus the activities that you're doing. So if I'm writing really positively about a week when I had lots of work travel and exciting big meetings, that's great. But if I started writing negatively about those weeks when I had a lot of work travel, I would understand maybe that's a, a caveat for that. Or um, if, for example, it was a week when I'd reintroduced alcohol, then I was, I was maybe writing more negatively in my journal, then that gives you an indication that some of the habits and behaviors you're doing are leading to that feeling. Equally, if you're like, oh, I'm so grateful for X, Y, and Z at that point, it will encourage you to do more of that thing or at least become aware of that. And lastly, in the same way we're talking about intermittent fasting, the diary allows me probably five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening to really bookend my phone-free part of my days. So in the morning, I'm writing my diary before I go out for my walk. And in the evening, it's pretty much the last thing I do. Others, I sometimes read a book afterwards or I read a book before it, but it's the, one of the last things I do. So you're emptying out all your thoughts and it, and it bookends your day in that way. Uh, question number four, we're getting quite deep on these ones. When was the last time you told someone you loved them? Uh, today. Uh, Mum and dad were round for the Calcutta Cup rugby. I'm recording this on Saturday night. Uh, such has been the, the, the hectic nature of this week and it'll be going out on Sunday morning. So mum and dad were round for the England-Scotland Six Nations match, which Scotland won. So that was, uh, that was amazing. And I told mum and dad that I loved them before they left the flat. Number five, if you were truly to be honest with yourself, what is your biggest weakness and what steps do you take to try and get better at it? And if you're not taking any steps, why not? I can be quite hard-headed in what I'm doing and I can sometimes stick to the same relentless habits and routines when I have belief in those and I have confidence in those and it can mean I'm less open to variety and different experiences at times. I've definitely improved on this a lot and the main area has been recognizing that things at the journal have definitely helped with that when I've done that. Surrounding yourself with people who have 
similar values but different opinions can be helpful too so if somebody around you you and this it really helps somebody with my personality type to respect that individual if they think maybe you could do something a bit different with this or that I'm much more likely to take it on board than if somebody I just think is a total waster tells me something I'm not going to take that on board so I think it's a weakness that I can sometimes be too hard-headed in the direction that I'm going but I'm definitely working hard on consuming sources that I trust and value to help shift me when I do that. Uh, as part of that hard-headedness, I can be very firm in myself as well. And I, I would say the journaling has helped me put those things into perspectives and it allows me to check in on myself whether I'm being fair or unfair about myself when it comes to like my work ethic or, 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 or how I'm progressing. Number six, are there any annoying mental challenges you had or have had regarding your future? I'm going to take this as challenges as in just like things that come up not some sort of like mental health disorder because I've, I've always been very clear uh, on the podcast I've not been diagnosed with any mental health disorder and if somebody's looking for advice or stories about that I, I can't really provide that but I can certainly bring on guests that can can share their experience in that regard and their professionalism too but I think everyone has elements of challenge it's part of the human experience to have ups downs moments of difficulty and things come up that you need to overcome for me it's sometimes a lack of clarity where the exact end destination is. I like to have relative control of where I'm going and what I'm doing and how that feels. And again, it's just recognizing how I'm wired. However, I make sure that I love the process that I'm choosing to do. So the things that I'm choosing to do on a daily and a weekly basis, I must get something from. And that matters usually as I'm ticking these boxes, they're going to put me towards some sort of destination or a range of destinations that I'll be pleased with whichever one that ends up being so although I have a lack of clarity on the exact destination and exactly where I might end up at least I know I'm going to go in a direction I'm happy with and it's going to provide fulfillment along the way and it feels purposeful number seven who is your biggest inspiration I have a lot of people around me who inspire me and that's another thing that's been a total game changer from my kind of mid-20s onwards I just started surrounding myself with people that I wanted to be surrounded with I've also said in previous podcasts that my dad's work ethic inspired me daily from a very young age. Dad uh, ran his own consultancy business, still does even into his 70s from the family house. And that for me was extremely inspiring to watch a man work and provide for his family and give us a lifestyle that we that we benefited from, a very comfortable middle class lifestyle with access to all the different things that we wanted. Certainly not spoiled by any means, but that was more a, a choice by my by my mum and dad from, from, from that regard. So watching him work from home before it was fashionable to do so build and keep and maintain a strong business that, that provided a great lifestyle for my family was very very inspiring inspiring indeed and equally I've got so many friends who I look at and I'm impressed by what they are doing and lots of those friends have been on this podcast and I benefited from being surrounded by them so I don't I don't think I have a single biggest inspiration but I do look up to a lot of people both in my life but I have some online mentors as well so I look up tremendously to somebody like Jordan Peterson I look up to Chris Williamson who albeit as um is an online mentor I, I do speak to Chris semi-regularly on WhatsApp I spoke to him after the Goggins episode to see how amazing it was to, to watch his growth and how well deserved it was and it, it was amazing to have that and he's definitely somebody I look up to in the in the podcasting spaces who's built a tremendous podcast and is is a, is a real figure of for good for for men as well Number eight, do you believe in life beyond planet Earth? I have not thought about this at all. And I'm going to talk about uh, like weaknesses or things I admire in other people. Sometimes like the imagination to just consider that sort of thing. 
I've just never used the bandwidth on it. It is an interesting topic, but it's not one that I've turned my attention to. I suppose if I was having a guest on that specialized in like life on other planets, I would probably dive into it a lot more. But I think it feels likely that there's probably life on other planets somewhere, whether that's aliens that are seeking to come to Earth and take over. I don't know, but it could well be. Question number nine. I think this is the one and only football question, this one, so bear with me. Ahead of the cup final, what is your favourite old firm moment? It's probably, if we're picking like a cup old firm moment, it's between two, but I'm going to go with the one that was one of my first ones, and that is the Wovenkrans Cup final in 20... 2002? Yeah, 2002. And it's one of my first old firm memories. Rangers had been pretty diabolical in the league. Dick Advocate left and went up, actually moved upstairs into a directorship role. And Alex McLeish came in and Rangers were much better for the second half of the season. I remember watching on my TV in the family home. I actually had the NTL like blue uh, home strip that year with the red underneath the arms. And that was the Scottish Cup final. Wovenkrantz scored two. We won 3-2. Ferguson was absolutely amazing that game. But if we can do the same in this year's League Cup final, albeit that was a Scottish Cup final that Wolverhampton scored two in, then I would take that every single time to win 3-2 and avoid extra time was a, a special one. Number 10, what's your morning routine from wake up to starting work? I'll caveat this with it varies when I'm training or traveling at different times, but a work from home day looks pretty much like this. I will wake between 6 and 6.30 uh, with my alarm in my bedroom. I will go to the bathroom, I'll wash my face and I will go through to my kitchen and I will have about a pint and a half of water with a little bit of salt and I will take my supplements. I'll then come through, I will put on some clothes, I will journal in my six minute diary write down my uh, three things that i'm grateful for what would make a good day and my positive affirmation for the day i will then typically put in my earpods uh, put on a podcast i've downloaded the night before and do a tiny bit of stretching so i typically line a foam roller and do some sort of thoracic stretching and some band pull-up parts and shoulder dislocations my main injury over the years touch wood has always just been a shoulder impingement so making sure that that's limber and feels good is very very important so i do that i do a bit of bird dog and i feel pretty good typically after that and then i'm ready to head out for the day and go for my walk in an ideal world i would have the cold dip between journaling and my stretching and then i would have like a warm shower to 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 to, to, to put myself off but and, and and make sure I'm, I'm I'm not still red raw, but that's not been something I've been able to do quite yet. But I'm I'm looking to build that in because I think that was where it would, that was where it would slot in. So yeah, I'm at my walk. I've got my podcast on. At this point, I'm still trying not to engage with WhatsApp, emails, or social media, and I'm just consuming a podcast. I'll probably get to a particular point in my walk, which is it's close to eight a.m. by this point when I'm at my walk and. I try and get maybe between six to 7,000 steps before work. And I will then check social media. I will post some of my stories. I will post, um, I'll reply to voice notes or or, or, or or Instagram DMs or WhatsApp. And then I'll get back to work. Um, I will, if, if I'm training at lunchtime, I won't have a full shower. Um, but if I am not training, if I'm training after work, then I'll have a full shower and get myself like more presentable for the working day rather than just in a hoodie. And then I will sit down at my desk either with a Vibe a meal replacement shake or an, an apple and kiwi, or I'll have a my protein chocolate whey shake with a dark chocolate 
uh, apple kiwi sometimes raisins depending on how i'm feeling and then i'm ready to just really crack on for work for the day if if i've been up earlier closer to six and i've been my walk i might have a little bit of extra time where i'll do some like podcast related emails whether that's to sponsors upcoming guests or to my video editor i'll be picking clips for upcoming episodes as well or i'll just be arranging things with guests in terms of timing so that's typically what a morning looks like uh, before starting work of course in that kind of last 10-15 minutes on my walk when i'm on my phone i'm trying as much as possible to use that phone mindfully i'm not really consuming i'm actually just creating and posting and speaking to people question number 11 how is your corporate career going Good. I was promoted to account director in October, which meant that uh, a little bit more fiscal power and a little bit more responsibility for some of the targets that we've got. And I'm pushing really hard at this moment in time to build my pipeline ahead of some big sales targets that will come in the summer for the next financial year. And the foundations are being built really strongly and it's going really, really well. There's lots more room to grow the sector of the business that I work in. And there's a couple of different opportunities to work in a few different sectors in terms of supplying furniture into both the housing sector and the BTR center through what we do at the moment. Question number 12, do you like audiobooks? What ones do you recommend? I've actually not listened to audiobooks in in years, but one I did listen to when I first got Audible, maybe in 20. 1718 is the subtle art of not giving a fuck by mark manson and i really enjoyed that and i enjoyed the perspectives he shared he would be an excellent podcast guest as well at some point in the future if we can get the show to the the right size and the right level and it, it was really well read and well delivered as well which i think is important with an audiobook because i do think sometimes you hear the either the author's voice or who they've chosen to do the voiceover and you think oh wow i don't think i'm going to be able to listen to six seven hours of this but if I'm consuming audio, it's almost always podcasts. And if I'm reading, I'm reading paperback books before bed and I'm off my I'm off my phone and off my devices. Number 13, I noticed you went on holiday for the first time since I started following you recently. You seem to be following a fairly strict regime in fitness and life. How easy did you find it to let loose and how did you feel better for it? Yes, correct. Well spotted. And I have spoken to this in a recent solo podcast about going to Dubai. And that was the first holiday I'd had in pretty much three years. And it was well needed, very much enjoyed it. I didn't really travel a lot during the C19 stuff because I wasn't um, in a position to like travel and enjoy some of the restrictions. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to go away and be like sat in a mask or socially distancing or having to be sat down in restaurants. It just wasn't my, my vibe at all. So I was pleased to go away when it was completely free and able to do whatever really. And Dubai is a great place to do that. And yeah, I, I follow a fairly strict regime in fitness and life, but I found it massively beneficial to switch off and enjoy myself because while I had to work extremely hard in the up in the kind of days leading up to that in terms of banking podcasts and banking content and being on top of my day job, you have annual leave in your day job to build in and equally you also have time within any projects that you pursue to just push a little bit harder for a period and put yourself uh, ahead of the game. And I managed to do that before going to Dubai, which meant I was in a mindset where I could relax and I was away with friends and I met friends out there who are very very good at just like helping me to completely unwind and do whatever it was the activities that we chose to do so no it was really really helpful and I definitely think it's lit my fire again for proper holidays and one of my goals for 2023 is to go on at least two holidays and if I, if I wanted to go on a third one, I could mix work and play if I wanted to. So I could take my work laptop and log on some of those days if if, 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 if the time zones aligned and I was able to. 
and and if that allowed me to go away a little bit more and maybe live like a more uh how would I describe it like holiday lifestyle but still clock in my my, my my work hours without using up my annual leave entitlement 14 this is deep <laughs> if this was your last day on earth alive how would you spend it I think I would start my day with a walk in nature. I'd get up very early for starters because I wouldn't want to, to lose any time. So I'd go walk in nature, enjoy the beauty of my surroundings and try and center myself for what's going to be quite a momentous day in terms of like you, you know that there's a, the, the grains of sand are, are running through the hourglass. I would make sure that I trained and moved my body and I would probably do that socially with a friend at the gym. We would we would chat, we'd get full of caffeine, we'd have a, a crazy session, make some big lifts. I would go for lunch after that with my with my family and and, and just sit down and 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 have conversations and, and, and try and tune into what they were saying and what they how they were feeling and make sure it was a, a type of food that I was I was really keen to have as well. I would probably try and take them shopping after lunch and would try and buy things for them that they would they would really appreciate from one of materials and perspective but also more importantly probably from like a memorable perspective and would make sure it's something maybe they've always wanted or something that they've maybe told me that they want they haven't told other people that they want and make sure I, I know that I've shown them love before my my time is up and I'll do that both through my actions but also through my words as well for the evening of my last ever day on earth, I think I would want to have a big sit down dinner with a big group of friends and just try and absorb from their conversations and share openly about my thoughts and my feelings and ideas before I before I leave this earth and make sure that I'm not leaving anything unsaid. Then I think we'll wrap up the evening with going to watch some live music. I'm I'm not particularly sure what genre I need to I'd need to think more about that, but making sure it's something that you could just dance and vibe and enjoy yourself too and just feel like connected to that music and then when the clock strikes midnight you just disappear and uh, you, you've, you've had a fantastic last day largely if I look at that day I'm, I'm really just ticking the boxes of a fairly wholesome range of activities and making sure that their activities make me feel great alongside sharing those moments with people that I care about and that truly matter to me you may notice I've not fitted anything regarding football, uh, watching Rangers, or any form of golf. And I think that's because if those results went the wrong way, or if I didn't play well, or Rangers didn't play well, that would be a mood killer. So that that wouldn't be part of my last day. Right, following on from this question from the same person on this grim theme, but I like it a lot. 15, if this was your last day alive, what are your biggest regrets about the life you chose? Actually, before I was asked this question, I was prepping for the podcast, I read Greg McEwen, who's the author of Essentialism's newsletter this week, and it was actually about regret. So I'm quite glad you asked this. And I basically just dived into the answer that he was talking about when it comes to regret. And I agree very much with what he says. Our regrets can guide us if we listen to them. So he gives a regret equation that you can use. So regret plus hope plus action equals change. So by that, I think he means that you recognize your regrets, you add in your hope for better and your hope for improvement, you add in your action, and then you get off the back of that, you get change. So here's how to use this regret equation and put it into work for your life. So number one, you would outline a specific regret. You look at the gap between what that regret is and what you wished you would have done in that situation. Two, you realize there's time and there's space to change that. Perhaps you can't undo your past, but you can use your past mistakes to become better in the future. 
And number three, take immediate action to move forward. So use the space that you have between the regret and the outcome. Reorganize and reprioritize. Do not delay. This can lead to future regret. Now, I really resonate with this. And I think what you can say is whatever's happened to you in life, whatever hardship, pain, regret, things that you've encountered, these things pale in comparison when you think about the power that you have in your hands to change what happens moving forward. Now, I know this question saying if it your last day on earth, what would you, what would be your greatest regrets about the life you chose? I think you can, it's never too late to recognize your regrets and try and change direction in some form, at least, at least change direction. It doesn't need to change entirely the outcome and the result, but change direction and, and utilize the power that is available to us. Question 16, what is your definition of success? Success for me is working towards and achieving an aim or goal. For me, that would be the pursuit towards working towards something that's meaningful for you and feeling like my activities, my behaviors, my habits, they're aligned to hitting the goals that I've set out. And that for me is purpose, that's fulfillment. And working towards that is the definition of success. Question number 17, your favorite my protein product. It's actually coming up for four years, probably maybe right at the start of February for working in partnership with my protein and being able to share my discount code with the audience and benefit from working with a brand I've always wanted to work with. But in terms of favorite products, I would say the chocolate smooth whey protein is something that I have on a daily basis, probably two scoops every single day. And I use that to top up my protein intake. I add it to my oats. I have it in my green shake. It feels it feels like it's uh, an important part of my diet and it tastes great as well. And I always get that flavor. So I must I must like it after all this time. Uh, alongside that, if I was thinking of like one other kind of standout thing that's not like just whey protein, it would probably be the six layer protein bars. And the two flavors I go to the most are probably the gold layered one. And it kind of tastes like the McVitie's gold bar. If anyone remembers that from their childhood or maybe more recently that tastes really really good and there's a speculus flavor i never know how to say that but it's basically like biscoff and it's incredible taste for the macros and it's mad how far protein bars have come from like the early days and like if anyone had them like i would say pre 2014 protein bars were awful back then but they're now pretty incredible and they basically taste like a chocolate bar with good macros number 18 would it be easier to grow a podcast by courting controversy like really crazy guess Yes, it would be so much easier to grow a podcast if you purely quoted controversy and you just had crazy guests on because even looking at some of the top podcasters, they occasionally lean into something with an element of controversy to it, whether it's the topic, whether it's the guests themselves. And having a very divisive guest or someone who's maybe infamous for doing something bad or questionable, that is a way to garner views, absolutely. And if amongst the new people that come and view the podcast because of that if they like the host and they stick around for other episodes that are perhaps not as controversy led I think that's the fair thing to do I certainly wouldn't let it dominate my content and if you optimize purely for being shocking triggering or attention grabbing just based on the type of guest you're having on I think I think that would be quite difficult to remain fulfilling, whereas my fulfillment massively comes from having value-based conversations that I get messages from you guys about how much you've enjoyed it or how much you've learned or how interesting the guest was, not from, oh my God, I was so angry or, oh, that was so funny. That's not really my style of podcast and I recognize that. But if I lean into that every once every 20 episodes and it results in 
a thousand new listeners coming to the show and really liking it, then sometimes that has to be the case. Um, but it would never be something I would prioritize or optimize for. Number 19, how do you feel about having become an influential person on people's lives? I, I think that's a pretty humbling thing to hear when somebody says something as profound as that influential, that feels great. Like obviously we have influencers online nowadays, but I feel that a podcast and you calling me influential is a little bit deeper than that and it feels fantastic. And I feel that I can con contribute quite heavily to the self-development of others by having these conversations with the guests I have. So I'm bringing out the best and the knowledge and the experience of the people that are coming on this show. And alongside that, I'll try and share the areas that I can bring to life as well from my own experience. And the platform that I'm building when it comes to the podcast, it feels purposeful, it feels meaningful, and I'm enjoying doing it. But I don't think I've ever done it purely to be influential. That's just a consequence of sharing content and people sticking around and getting value from it. Uh, question number 20. What's your evening routine in a perfect world? How does it change when traveling or working late? It changes lots when I'm traveling, actually. Well, it, it depending on what's on socially or through work at that point in time. And it's been slipping a tiny bit in recent months, but I'm getting more control of it now because I definitely know that if you're getting to bed half an hour, an hour later, it's harder to get up at the, at the same time, certainly. So evening routine would be in an ideal world, screens off at 9 p.m whether that's TV, laptop, or my phone, they would all just go away. And at that point, I am looking to journal with a six-minute diary, and I'm looking to read my book. Uh, I, one of the things that I would recommend uh, to people if you're somebody that wakes up a lot during the night and in the bathroom is making sure, one, you've obviously cut caffeine much earlier in the day. I'd probably say 2 p.m. Is, is a pretty good cutoff. I used to have mine right up until 5 o'clock, but I've progressively moved it back. I'm definitely getting better at it, and I definitely noticed that my bladder is less irritated uh, the, the, uh, during during the night if I have less caffeine I know some people will be like that's too much information but it's uh, it, is, it is factual and there is some evidence around that but I actually cut my water intake at 7 p.m because if I'm wanting to be sleeping for 10 then ideally I don't want to be waking up for a pee before six which is eight hours that's a, that's a long time for your bladder not to want to relieve itself so I'm cutting off my water to support my evening routine um journaling screens away reading my book, doing the bathroom. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like the the more basic your routine can be and the less you need to do, I think the better. And that means it is replicable when I'm in other environments like the hotel, like a friend's house, wherever it is that I'm staying, I'm able to do that. And when I'm traveling, it does differ a little bit. If I'm out in London with colleagues, then it's probably going to be later than, uh, than nine o'clock. If I'm watching the football and I'm, I'm out for that, or if I'm watching it in the flat, then my screen's going to be on until the game's finished and I'll end up checking Twitter and the group chat talking about it. Or working late typically doesn't happen, albeit tonight I'll probably be on my laptop late because I've got the podcast released, but it's a Saturday night and it's a little bit different. I will treat it in, in, in that regard because it's a little bit of a one-off just because of how my schedule's been um, in terms of making sure the solo episode is every um, episode that ends in nine is a, a bit of a pattern that I'm trying to trying to stick to. But I think for me in general, trying to make sure that I'm off my devices um a good a good half an hour to an hour before before I'm trying to sleep is 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 pretty much a fundamental aspect of my evening routine. And then journaling to kind of brain dump and even like writing up my to-do list for the next day or like time boxing what I'm gonna do the next day and when is is pretty helpful too. Question twenty one top three attributes you look for in a partner. 
Uh, I think off the top of my head, and those that have listened to me talk to Kezia Noble on her podcast, will maybe we uh, find this answer quite interesting. I would say attractive. So I need to physically and emotionally be attracted to that person, whether that's entirely how they look, but also, of course, like how they hold themselves, how they speak, how they behave, their manners, etc. cetera. Uh, second quality and attribute, I would say, is reliable and honest. So somebody that you can rely that they are telling you what, what, what the case is and they're being a clear communicator in that regard. And the third would be that they are supportive of my goals as well as capable of achieving their own. So I think it's attractive to have a woman that decides that she needs to, like as a mission, like be alongside you and push you and support you, but isn't necessarily completely incapable of supporting themselves in that moment as well, um, which is important. And they appreciate your support at the same time. Uh, 22, should men pay for the bill on the first date? What do you do? I definitely think these questions have come in off the back of that Kezia podcast, but um, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I am quite traditional and I certainly pay the bill on the first date. I typically have asked the girl out on the first date. So I think the person that asks someone in the first date should be the person that pays for that date. And evolutionary, men should lead in that dynamic and these interactions and provide a reassuring, safe environment for you to have a fun time together. And I think being financially assured and I don't want to say in charge, but um, definitely like leading is part of that conversation. Uh, question number 23 have you been involved in Opulus via CG Pro? So I'm a member of the Crypto Glasgow Discord, which is called CG Pro. And one of the calls for 2023 was the Opulus coin. And it has been absolutely flying. I said at the time when I saw it, I'm spread too thinly already with four coins I invest in. I invest in Bitcoin, ETH, XRP, and CHSB, which is Swissborg's own coin. And I was like, I don't want to be spread to things i'm still dollar cost averaging on a regular basis into those four coins and to add a fifth to that i felt would be spreading too thin but i'm seeing the the returns just now and i think there are the chance that it goes 250x if it reaches a previous all-time high which most cryptos if the use case is correct are quite likely to do this is not financial advice by the way so it's quite an exciting coin and an exciting project and i may well get some exposure at some point but i am still at this moment in time only invested in four Question 24, is having children a definite for you? Yes, it is. And I didn't think I would always feel this way, but I believe that I can be a good father and it's a purpose of mine as a man to build a great family with kids and support them and carry on my family name and bring more good people into today's society. And off the back of that, I would like to have two kids. And I'm seeing at this moment in time, I'd love to have a boy. Uh, and I think that would be an important thing for me to to have a son and help him mature into a really good man who can contribute to himself and the wider society in a positive way and, and carry on the, the Campbell name and the Campbell legacy as well. Question 25, you've been introducing alcohol again. What are some of the reflections and lessons from it? So yes, I drank three times on holiday in Dubai. I've not drank since, and that was at the start of December I got back. And in terms of the the observations and the benefits from it, I socially found it great fun, particularly in the environments I was in, whether that was beach clubs or or nightclubs or bars. The the atmosphere was was amazing, and me being inebriated by a substance meant that I was even more loose and even more confident. I'm very confident to start with, but the environments that I was in, 
it was just it was next level it just felt amazing to be completely loose it also it's funny it lowers your inhibitions to be out later that was something i definitely noticed like i know alcohol can make some people quite tired and make them uh like maybe lethargic or even like i know i know, I know it's actually a, a depressant to some extent but i was like able to stay out much longer than when i'm not drinking because i was just a bit more excitable and a bit more energetic which a lot of people that know me know that me being more energetic could be could be a challenge and maybe was that for 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 people that were spending time with me at some points on holiday but yeah i i I definitely found it was a social lubricant and a bit more i was a bit more energized however off the back of that i would still say that alcohol for me is something i will pick and choose still very 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 selectively indeed and i would be extremely surprised if you see me drink in the uk this year um it might be i drink on my birthday in october but i'd be surprised if that was the case however i do know that if i go on holiday to some of the destinations that i'm thinking about for this summer then it's pretty much a certain that i will drink if it's in the right environment if we're on a boat party if we're at a beach club i will probably want to have a number of drinks and get the effect from that and i still as a choice don't like love having like a glass of red wine or a beer it does nothing for me in terms of taste and i and i recognize that and i am drinking for the effect of multiple vodkas or multiple cocktails and i'm just charging about with full of energy that's that's ultimately still where i'm at and some people can say that's uh an immature relationship with alcohol but i'd i'd rather have none or lots and that's just how i'm wired and i will continue to do it on a very irregular basis because overall i don't think it does a massive amount for me in most situations but in some environments when i really want to go for it then i'm going to do that question 26 what's the most you've spent on a single piece of clothing or footwear i bought a gucci belt when i was 20 i think and that was about 300 pounds i think from house of fraser um i think it's probably the most like single most expensive item that i bought and it was i was 20 and it was the summer between my third year and fourth year at university and i had just had a really successful sales um role with ensley insurance i actually ended up working for after university and i used my some of my bonus money to buy the gucci belt and i still wear the gucci belt to this day it's black leather it shows a good quality it looks timeless i think some people can say that some gucci stuff's like really quite in your face and quite gaudy but the i think the belts are pretty pretty timeless overall and I, I would expect myself to wear it for for a long time to come number 27 which brands have you always wanted to be affiliated with i think when i was first posting fitness content if it ever got to a stage where somebody wanted to send me stuff it was always going to be my protein because they were a brand i bought from since i think 2010 was the first time i bought a bag of protein from and back then you could actually choose the blend of protein that you were having which is insane isn't it like you could actually like put in the different percentages of of whey versus isolate and it was it was absolutely matter like what type of casing you wanted it was it was absolutely crazy how how much things have changed and how much choice you actually had back then it was but it was like unnecessary choice but yeah my, my protein was always the one um beyond that uh, i wanted to work with hustle because when i first started traveling with work in 2014 i used what was called pay as you gym then which is now hustle and it got me access to gyms across the uk so when i was in manchester i put in the postcode of my hotel or my office and then i would go to the gym that was near there and i would, I would get access through that and i was paying for it so i obviously believed in the in in the brand and the concept so uh, my protein hustle were two of the first ones that i worked with um beyond that i think it's always just been what brands align with what i want to 
talk about and do in my own life, but also what my audience will get value from too. And I've turned down sponsorships, both for the podcast and for uh, maybe paid ads on Instagram. And it's been very important that when I affiliate with a brand, I believe in what they are selling either to me and I've used it myself or that I recognize that, oh, there's lots of members of my audience who would benefit off the back of what this brand and this service does. And I'll always try and remain selective. Is there any brands out there that are remaining? I don't, I haven't worked with. There probably are, but I would need to have a, a pretty serious think about what those are, what realms of the world they're in, what do they clash with that I already do, and, and, and go from there. Okay, question 28 is an interesting one because I do think there's, a, there's some misunderstanding around these terms. So question 28, how do you reset or stop burnout? What's your opinion on these two terms? I think burnout is real and it, it manifests itself in different ways. And I think it's a spectrum like many things, like you can get complete burnout where it's like literally a write off. And I spoke to a lady called Rebecca Hollis about this, where she was just completely shattered for like a year and, ha and had to recover all the way up to like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit burnt out and I need to rest a little bit. I need to reset. I was really close to like, a moderate burnout in mid to late 2021 some people might remember and there's actually episodes of me on youtube that you can see on the podcast where i kept having these flare-ups around underneath my eyes like under the bags of my eyes and that was like basically massive fatigue manifesting itself and me not being able to like heal or deal with myself and like my skin kept reacting really badly to products that i'd always used and that was basically a case where i had if we look at uh, a dashboard that has 100 units of energy to allocate all the dials in the dashboard were turned up way too high across this board and I had to recognize at that point in time that we have a finite amount of energy to assign to everything that we do so something has to give it always has to give whether that's your career your business your health your social your hobbies whatever it is even family you cannot have everything turned up full to the extremes you have to have some things at a lower level or you can maybe do everything on a lower level but you cannot do everything full throttle and that was definitely what i was trying to do at that point in time everything was just turned up full i think it was kind of september october time and socially i was out constantly now i wasn't even drinking but just being up like three four hours later and then still getting up and doing do my steps, do my training, do my, do, do my meal prep. Everything that I was doing at that point in time was just so heavy. And my travel with work was insane. I was going up and down to York. I was going up and down to Leeds. I was going up and down to Manchester. That all adds up and you don't realize it. And I was extremely close to burning out and I was still building the podcast hard back then. And it, like the work that I did then, I'm still reaping the benefits of now and i'm building on top of that so it was a very important period but i had to recognize i had to pull back so there was a few social events i started saying no to there was a few work engagements where i said right i'm gonna come but i'm actually gonna stay down in the hotel at night after the meetings have finished i'm gonna tr use the next day to travel back because i'm not gonna travel back until 11 o'clock at night and then get back like that would just mess me up i'm gonna get to bed at half past nine in this hotel i'm gonna wake up my normal time and i'm gonna i'm gonna look after myself so understanding that you you will burn out if you do not recognize how much you've got on your plate and how much energy you are assigning to every different activity that you do and that includes even stuff that sometimes gives back to you so like at that point in time I think I was training six days a week weight training and yes after most of the sessions I was like I'm so glad I did that I'm buzzing it was still putting stressors on my body so 
when it's like really full on and there's other things come onto your plate, sometimes exercise has to be turned down a little bit in terms of pushing for the next PR or the best possible body condition that you can bring. Resetting is, is another term that's been used in that questionnaire and it relates to burnout. I think that can be as simple as just having some quieter days, pulling back on a couple of your activities, getting a sleeping routine back in, kind of working with your natural circadian rhythm. So you're sleeping uh, earlier and waking up earlier. You're reducing screen time. You may be dropping caffeine and other stressors that are within your body, like or swapping out some of the more intense exercise you do for like war impact, like walking or something that's not quite as intense as uh, like really heavy weights or like really uh, strenuous hit exercise. It might, or it could be more extreme than that and that like a more extreme reset might actually require you looking at your medium and long-term plans and reprioritizing how you act and what time you're spending on some of the goals that you're working towards and it might be that you're socializing a little bit less at this period it might be you don't get to go to your hobbies as much maybe you're not getting to go to the go to the actual football stadium and you have to watch it on your tv because the the, the, the hour commuting either side is two hours that you quite simply don't have and you actually need to spend in bed there's a lot to consider and that's definitely things that I've had to do as well. Like, like for example, today, I know that I could have got a ticket to go to Ibrox and then I could have rushed to my family house to watch the Calcutta rugby game. But instead, I just watched the football in the house. I was immediately available for the, the Calcutta Cup rugby. And then I'm straight on to recording this rather than maybe going out for food, which I could obviously have maybe said to a friend, oh, let's go for let's go for dinner. And then I would have come back and had to record this podcast anyway. There's so many things and so many temptations and learning to say no and assign your energy accordingly at that right moment in time is vital. And while I've, I've mentioned during this podcast, I'm quite hard headed. I am trying to be more and more open to experience as well. So with doing the work in advance, it allows you to be more open to experience after that, but still be cognizant enough to say no and know when you need to preserve your energy for the future. Question number 29, and that kind of links in some ways. You're busy. Yes, I'm definitely busy. Uh, you're busy, but I constantly skip meals or have to cram in food when I'm busy. What do you do personally? I opt for convenience when it comes to food. And it's not the kind of convenience that your mind's immediately going to go to when you think of convenience. You're going to be thinking, oh, fast food, Deliveroo, uh, like McDonald's, like chips. Convenience for me is having foods on hand that fulfill the nutritional profile that I want. So for me, I think eating almost like a meal plan is very, very helpful for most people on most days while having some variety built in depending on how strict your goal is. I certainly think for me, that's the best way to go about it. So I have maybe like six or seven different meals that I have every single week. Now, four of them are always from Clean Foods, which is like a meal prep company. And then like the three other meals I typically have are just meals I know I can make really easily with either whey protein shakes and fruit or a vibey shake and fruit and making sure that these are on hand. So that's a case of having a bag of Vibe in my in my cupboard, a bag of whey protein in my cupboard, uh, a packet of Biltong in my cupboard, a, a box of protein bars in my cupboard, fruit in my fridge, rice in my, uh, cooked rice in my, in, in, in my fridge, cooked mince in my fridge, and then all my meal prep from clean foods in my fridge and available, or ones that I've not used from previous weeks in my freezer that I can defrost within a few hours and have for dinner or lunch whatever it is and that for me is is convenience that's true convenience having those things on hand so if you're skipping meals or having to cram food in when you're busy have sources available to you that you know are relatively healthy and meet your nutritional goals that aren't particularly strenuous for you to to, to have and pull together number 30 what trait do you admire in others that you don't have 
I really admire crazy, like fast thoughts of creativity. I admire that so much in so many individuals. And I really respect when somebody comes like really quickly with new ideas or new ways of working and they just come to them immediately and they're able to be like, right, I think I should do it this way because this, this, this. Whereas I definitely benefit from spending more time with these people and kind of not sponging, but like surrounding myself with them and just bouncing off them and feeding off their brainwaves and allowing my own thoughts to hit off them and then maybe come back to me with ideas that I would never in my wildest dreams have thought of. I wouldn't have been innovative enough to think outside the box. So I love when I spend time with people that are extremely creative and I definitely benefit from that. And sometimes people who are more creative are also more spontaneous. So it kind of kills two birds with one stone for me when it comes to spending time with people that have traits that I'm not particularly strong in and I get benefits from that equally. The next question is is a good one. It's from the same person. Question number 31, what traits do others admire in you because they don't typically have it? I am relentless and my ability for my skill set to perform under pressure is my main trait that I'm really quite proud of or to some extent anyway. I typically, how would I describe this? I typically like and feel that I can deliver high quality presentations and communications during my work or I can show up to a podcast either by myself like this or as a host with an interesting guest. And I can do the work in advance to feel prepared. But when it comes to the crunch, I just feel I can communicate really strongly under pressure. I can listen. I can articulate myself. I can ask good questions. I can get more information either across or through people than I think most other people can. And that's a great skill as a podcaster and as a salesperson in my work. And I think it's a trait that I do really, really well. So like communication, but also communicating when, yes, I've done some preparation, I've got some questions ready, I've got some notes available to me, but I'm able to react really quickly and think what would be the best way to to position this and think about this and I can be articulate and, and clear with my words. That's definitely a trait I benefit from, but as I said in question 30, I definitely think I value being around creative minds who have that more like more free-thinking uh, approach than, than than I do to some extent. But that is us through all 31 of those questions. There's a few other ones for us to get through, but I will wrap up there and answer those next time around, which will be episode 179, which is absolutely crazy how far we have gotten with the podcast. But please do continue showing your support. If you've got this far, drop a share on your story or leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or of course, you can copy and paste the link to your favorite episode. If it's this one, do that. If it's another one in the archives, send it to a friend. That's the way that the show continues to grow and allows me to have fantastic conversations. Thank you so much for your support. And I'll be back to speak to you all again very, very soon.